Hi there, and welcome to the 2020 edition of the UAE Tech Podcast, a series of discussions on how technology is reshaping governance and economics in the United Arab Emirates. From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite with Alboaba Business. You know, when you interact with a person, they have their own particular characteristics and personality, right? Mm. So I believe AIs do too. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes um, when uh, based on the clients or their company's profile, we analyze like what will be their, um, what should be their AI's characteristics should be like. So for example, for the fintech, uh, fintech products, like for banking or accounting along that line, we write a very sharp and almost cold AI that's very analytical. Mm. And on the other side, um, education ministry or um, any, a tool for children or um, anything built for household, we try to make it more warm and understanding so that users feel more comfortable using it. Can artificial intelligence have character? What's it like to visualize the brain in virtual reality? How can software be programmed to identify the biomarkers of disease or provide a diagnosis that is often more accurate than human? How is haptic feedback making physical space more accessible for people of determination? This week we're talking with Haley Yoon, the founder of a Dubai technology practice called IO21, working to build new software products for private and government clients. Between 2017 to 2018, Haley served as a research assistant at the Neuroimage Research and Analysis Lab at UNC Medical School in the United States. Here she developed the automatic extra-axial cerebrospinal fluid software, which aims to provide an early diagnosis for autism in infants. She holds a Bachelor in Computer Science from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and is currently sitting exams right here in Dubai as a part-time student at Stanford University, competing a postgraduate qualification in AI. Little more on that later. After volunteering at the UNC Children's Hospital, Haley developed an interest in autism and in engineering accessible technologies for people of determination. Her programming and design methodology combine a love of the cutting edge with a human-first philosophy. And while IO21 still seems to be searching for a product market fit, the company does have time to grow. After all, Haley is 24 years old. This week, we're talking with Haley Yoon from IO21. Haley, thank you so much for joining us. So I guess to begin with, in your own words, what is IO21 and how did you come up with the idea? So um, IO21 is dedicated to developing innovative software that provides technological solutions to people's need. So we mainly do two different developments. So the first one is the internal software development where we bring 
the cutting edge technology into life uh, based on our um, our IO21's ideas. And the other part is we also offer software development services for business growth and more. Okay. And what kind of technologies are you looking at? Because one of the reasons we, you know, we, we discovered your profile and became so interested is that you're interested in artificial intelligence. You've been studying over in the States. You started this business over here in Dubai. So what's the backstory? How did you, you know, what is the background of, of this business and, and what is the, the core kind of business services you want to offer? So um, we emphasize a lot on um, improving and innovating with tech trends. So we use the most up-to-date technologies in our development to create the most, um, I would say, cutting edge and advanced product. So it's a combination of lots of different areas, such as AI, machine learning, IoT, and big data, and so on. Interesting. So those are all kind of big buzzwords now, and they're things you know, all of us are looking at. But figuring out how to apply them, be it to an app or to a an existing business or even to creating a new business is really, really difficult. Is that part of what IO21 is trying to figure out? And if so, do you have any examples? Yes. Um, so I have, I have a great example using an AI. So, you know, when you interact with a person, they have their own particular characteristics and personality, right? Mm. So I believe AIs do too. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes um, when, uh, based on the clients or the com their company's profile, we analyze like what will be their, um, what should be their AI's char characteristics should be like. So for example, for the FinTech, uh, FinTech products, like for banking or accounting along that line, we write a very sharp and almost cold AI that's very analytical. Mm. And on the other side, um, education ministry or um, any, a tool for children or um, anything built for household, we try to make it more warm and understanding so that users feel more comfortable using it. That's so interesting. AI has character. I don't know if you've ever seen Altered Carbon on Netflix, one of my favorite shows but one of the main characters is basically an AI and he kind of hangs out with his AI friends and they all have different <laughs> characters and applications, pretty much exactly what you're just talking about. So, yep, so, I mean, do you have people who can do that? Do you have people that can code character into to AI at IO21? So, uh, yes, and uh, we do have a development team in Dubai, so which is me and a few other people and we have people from working from different countries like us and australia <laughs> great so so i mean you know this is interesting how how much work does it take coding these things you know coding an ai for an education ministry or or you know a branding consultancy like what what was what the time involved in, and how um you know complicated in terms of coding sophistication is that so it can take anywhere from one month to years, depends on how, it, it depends on the scale of the AI. Mm. But uh, when it comes to personality part, it's, um, it's more of the features that they have in, within themselves and then how much we customize. And especially in Middle Eastern region, it's a bit tricky because of the language itself. Um, 
coding Arabic and training AI to learn Arabic sentences and uh, the strings is a bit more time consuming than English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we know that from um, where, where I work at Alba Weber, we're, we're working on something very, very similar with Arabic data sets and, and we've experienced that firsthand. Um, but I mean, are you, so you, you are working in Arabic as well? Yes. It's, okay. It's, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. And especially here, uh, where uh, in UAE, we use classical Arabic. And sometimes if we um, accidentally train with different regions Arabic, like from Egypt or anywhere else, we have to retrain them. So that's something that we should be, uh, I need to be cautious about. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've got the linguistic semantic element on top of, um, you know, the, the technical demands. So, I mean... <sighs> What about your backstory? How did you come to Dubai and why did you decide to open up the business here in Dubai? So, uh, wow. So I've never been to Middle East before, before coming to Dubai. I was always in, uh, I always lived in the States and then there was just one day I wanted to explore somewhere new and then I came to Dubai and then I decided to stay here and establish IO21 because I was very convinced that Dubai is a hyper-connected pro-business hub. Mm. So in Dubai, I interact with people from different parts of the world. Uh, thus, I'm exposed to multiple perspectives and worldviews. And when these very um, and when these various perspectives combine, they often come together in novel ways, opening doors to innovation, which is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, just geographically as well, it is you know a really good point between east and west where a lot of the technological forces are you know coming into play um mm -hmm. so it's well positioned to take advantage of both markets and there's definitely you know the, the people you meet particularly in the tech industry here have all and, sorts uh, of background. it's and it's great to see uh different tech trends in other countries because when i lived in the states i i mostly interacted with programmers within states like different states but not outside of the country but here i hear from uh, I interact with programmers from all over the world, and it's just very interesting. Some uh, some countries are more more focused on blockchain or w along that area. The other um, another uh, countries more into the application development itself or security, uh, more of like the security fields. Like the tech trends within that country is slightly different. Yeah, that's true. I, I find that and. I mean, another interesting thing here is Dubai is big, but it's not that big. So you can also have, you know, there are, you can easily bump into people who are working across different sectors using the same technology, which is a bit harder in the States. So you can find people using AI, you know, in healthcare or robotics or automation. Um, whereas, you know, in the States, the UK, or sometimes in Europe, everyone is in, in certain geographical clusters. Um, but okay, so you've set the company up here in Dubai, but you studied in the States, is that correct? Yes. So, so, so what, when was that? And I know there's something about, um, you know, you, you studied at Stanford or you did some courses at Stanford and you have a background in, in tech and, and AI. So can you tell us a bit about your experiences um, studying in, in the States? Because I should probably mention, I think you only just finished your postgrad, right? Yes, uh, so I I went to UNC Chapel Hill for my undergrads, and I finished computer science and honors there. And then I am I am currently studying at Stanford as a postgrad student. 
taking remote courses. So how it works is um, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, I take exams at the company <laughs> and the HR staff members uh, proctor my exams. No way. <laughs> That's genius. How do you... I don't and think we should tell students this because you might you might be onto something there. I think that's so, a dangerous precedent. But um, yeah, I thought that was just pretty interesting concept. So before the pandemic, how it worked was everyone is taking the course off online, uh, offline, like on campus. They are going to lecture halls, and then I get these live streaming videos. And my HR, um, our HR admin proctors my exam and then she scans the document and then sends to Stanford and then that's how it works. It's, it's wow. pretty interesting. And now um, because of this uh, coronavirus, everyone's taking it offline, uh, online, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone's studying online, but 2020 has been a strange year. Proctored exams in your own company in Dubai. It could be worse. Um, but I was going to ask, so you've also, on top of, you know, some of this work, um, with with AI and and with IO twenty one, you have a background or an interest in neuroscience, um, and can you tell us a bit about that um, and how that fits into everything else you're doing? So, automatic extra axial cerebral spinal fluid is the software's name that I developed while I was at UNC Medical School. So, this is an um, an open source interactive tool for automatic computation of brain extraaxial cerebral spinal fluid. So it captures the fluid within the MRI scans of infants. And the reason that we're capturing this volume is because elevated extraaxial fluid volume is a possible biomarker for autism spectrum disorder. When it comes to autism and medical, um, any medical, any medical related softwares, um, people often think about the results, like um, the scientific part of the software only, and then forget about that uh, patients are actual human beings. So these, um, there are people waiting for these solutions to be developed. And it's, it, it was just extra special and then I was very grateful that I could help people indirectly. I'm not a surgeon, but there's there's a way that I can help people in some ways. No, I think that's, that is true. And I think one of the, you know, my background is humanities in addition to enjoying technology. I love, you know, arts and literature and all that kind of thing. And I think one thing that sometimes we miss in, in the tech discussion is the human element of things and, and how technology can can augment or, or help people um, as opposed to simply scale economies. Um, but so, yeah, it does seem as if you have a personal uh, interest or, or, or an, an emotional interest in this. So you've written about working on the early diagnosis of autism in infants, um, algorithms to test MRI scans in children, um, frontier technologies that help individuals with disabilities. Is, is that something that is personal for you as well as something that you want your business to invest in? Um, yes. Um, when I was developing this application, uh, so during the weekdays, I was uh, working at the research lab developing the software. And on the weekends, I was actually volunteering at the pediatric side of the um, UNC hospital. 
And when I interacted with uh, uh, children with autism, I realized how important it is to catch it early. And then, so it's, it's often very hard for parents to realize their um, children has autism because, you know, children are still, um, their linguistic skills are still developing and, and it's very easy to miss the early signs. And what this uh, software does is it captures that early so that if necessary, um, uh, parents can get help uh, earlier so that they can minimize the impact of it, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. So I, um, I think I mentioned them earlier with you before the call, interviewed a group a couple of years ago who were working out of Dubai and, and Europe called In Silico Medicare. And they were using AI to, to um, find biomarkers and, um, you know, spot diseases, um, but before they had the chance to, not sure what the medical term is, but, you know, grow and, and become um, dangerous. Um, but there is also, you know, um, I've never really discussed it within the context of autism um, or other um, you know, uh, particularly mental health issues like schizophrenia and that kind of thing. So that that's an interesting one um, to explore. How does all of this come together, though? So so you've just started your company, right? And and it's a challenging time, and you presumably have to find a product market fit. So you have to start getting business here in Dubai, getting your name out, um, finding which parts of the market to address. As an entrepreneur, how are you going to go about doing that? We create a software for all users, including children, seniors, and people of determination. So there are many, many applications developed already, and we're all aware of it. But the problem is if you put on an accessibility-friendly mode, lots, most of them don't work. Do, do you know how accessibility mode works? No, so I, obviously I know the basics, and um, I've had some experience um, working with, with kids uh, with autism um, and with special needs and mental health um, in the past, but that has often been offline. Um, and I think for our users as well, it might be better if you explain it to them. So uh, how it works is, let's, let's say, for example, for people who can't hear, uh, we use haptic sensors to vibrate the phone and then give them the signals. And for people who can't see, uh, we use accessibility mode. So you tap once, tap twice, uh, you tap once to click, tap twice to go next, something along this line. So using the touch sensors. So for the app, every application that we develop, we take consideration, we take um, people of determination into our consideration. So when you have accessibility mode on your phone on turned on, it syncs with that and then it uh it's uh, ready to be used for all users okay now that makes sense um haptic feedback how advanced is that technology i, I know we're starting to see it more and more is, is it becoming quite useful yes it's actually very useful because um right now uh almost all uh the newly developed smartphones all have different uh different length of vibration and different 
this, you can make it stronger and weaker. So it's actually very helpful. So uh, there was one application that I uh, that I've developed before, which was uh, looking, at, which was used as a tool to sense um, human walking around you. So you would have your camera turned on, and for people who can't see, it'll act as a um, your camera becomes your eyes. So when people come near you, it vibrates um, longer and with stronger vibration. And when they go farther back, it um, it's just light and there, there are like longer pauses in between. That sounds superb. Um, okay, also looking at, at some of the work you've been doing, in addition to neuroscience, there was a short footnote on VR and AR. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So what was that? So VR and AR was the extended version of this neural project. So, so this, uh, so after measuring this volume from the MRI scans, visualizing and understanding exactly where it's located is very important. So what I did with the VR is I developed the 3D scan of the brain itself and then allow which allows surgeons or neurologists to have 360 view of the brain and see exactly where the fluid is located. Wow, okay. So um and and they can ah, that's so interesting. So that design of the brain was that so accurate? they can actually operate on it in VR and AR. I mean, that, it's, it, it reflects, you know, a real brain and, you know, in size and, and autonomy, that's the right word and everything. So uh, the great part about VR is you can actually, because it's in virtual reality, right. you can expand it and then you can wow. have it back into like a smaller scale. So let's great say you're tool. not, entirely sure about so extra uh, so this extra axial cerebral spinal fluid the thing about it is it's located like out, outer part of the skull so in between the skull and like your brain it's like the outside one not like in the middle so it's sometimes it's easy to confuse with different fluids because you know like brain is it's that's not the only fluid located in the brain so what they would usually, what was the, um, the helpful feature about this was you expand it, look at exactly where this particular fluid ends. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, I, I'm really excited by VR and AR. Personally, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by VR. Um, but the applications of that are pretty amazing as well, even as a learning tool. But, but in healthcare, I'd never really thought about that, but it makes total sense. Um, Okay, so there's a lot of technologies you're working with, and there's definitely a kind of um, a, a neuroscience medical background here that, that's probably going to be quite useful here in Dubai with such a big medical sector. What are the initial industries you're looking at, or what are the kind of initial products that you guys are working on at the moment? Uh, so right now we're working on um, the first focus that we're doing it internally is uh, fintech. So we're developing algorithms for analytics and lots of uh, accounting related software. There's a particular ways like the VAT works within its local market and 
and the system is right now the all existing products are primarily focusing on us or eu regions so we're developing something specific um targeting um specifies and customized for middle eastern region that makes sense and is that kind of vat or accounting or automating systems basically yes oh okay um i was um we were we were talking with um, a company called magnet last week and they were saying that um, payment systems and e-commerce has been absolutely booming in terms of uh, the invest- yes. investment over the past, you know, six to eight months now, I guess, because of COVID-19. Um, but the back end of that, you know, automating taxing and accounting is something that, you know, we didn't discuss. What about the next few years, Haley? What are the, the technologies or the services that you're really hoping to be able to to provide in the, in the near or, or medium-term future? Uh, for both IO21 and for myself, I would like to create something that um, helps people and that benefits people. So for example, I created this software called Automatic Classification of Legal Documents. The motivation behind this was there is a great need for lawyers for low-income individuals who can't afford legal representation due to the continually rising price of legal service, it's, uh, it can be very pricey. And AI technology can assist attorneys to minimize time spent on monoto- um, simple tasks and reduce our hours build. And I intend to continue to, the, continue to take advantage of various AI concepts to improve the predictive power of this model. What is interesting about, about this whole conversation that we're having mm-hmm. is that it's not just you know, the things that you are talking about with IO21 don't just have economic application, they have societal application, um, they have applications for government, they have applications in many ways for how we live our lives, for how we look after our kids, for how we treat diseases, mm-hmm. in many ways for the, you know, for the future itself, for a new kind of uh, societies in which we're living. And I think that's one of the core themes about this podcast but that also seems to be something that you're very interested in. When you talk about IO21, when you talk about your background, there's this real connection between, you know, what's happening outside in the world and how people are living their lives and how technology can benefit them. So you, you start really, when, when we're talking to you, Haley, it sounds like you often start from the perspective of human beings and then you figure out how you can use some of these advanced technologies to augment or enhance their experiences and lifestyles. Um, and, and do you think, you know, that, that should be the direction of, of technology going into the future? It, it starts from a kind of human first perspective. I think this should be, I think it is a programmer's responsibility to um, make it that happen. There is a definitely a limit to what people can do, what human beings can do. And I believe technology should assist us getting further, not replacing or you know those scary stories about AIs replacing people <laughs> yeah like, I think we, it is our responsibility to keep it safe and then keep it keep the technology to assist us right and what about the the states are you going to keep working with you know um, colleagues in the states and around the world at the same time as being based here in Dubai mm-hmm that's what's up. So what I do is instead of um, instead of having everyone in Dubai twenty four seven, what I do is 
based on the pro, um, based on the project, we assign, we find the right person and right fit for that team. So it's like team-based members. If, okay, that, I mean, yeah. based members, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. Okay, so I guess finally, you know, if if people here or, or listening overseas want to work with you or find out more about you or find out more about your company, how can they get in touch? Oh, there's a website, of course, io21.me. So you can reach us through that. Just to note everyone, if there's any fresh grads out there in, in, in looking at future technologies or AI, um, maybe try and get in touch with Haley. Um, Haley, you, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you for joining us on the UAE Tech Podcast. Thank you.